That's big time. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he belt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oreo Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brendan Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte in a suddenly very chilly Baltimore. We took one yeah. week off for Thanksgiving, come back, and it is cold. It got cold quick. It is crisp. Yeah. Frigid. Yesterday was like synonyms. a real cold day. Yeah. Tell me about it. Had a uh, rec flag football game last night. Chilly. Chilly for that flag football game. Let's hear the box score. How'd you do? It wasn't good. Caught a touchdown. It, hey. There's that. Uh, but the team overall, not our best performance. Not our best. Back to the drawing board for week Back three. to the drawing board, certainly. The other team was just much more organized. I don't think they mm. were better at flag football. They were just, they I mean, they plays? were dragging. They were curling. Yeah. Wow. I, they, were, they were the classic, just, they would run a drag here. Somebody would fill and replace that zone. Wow. And they just, they, they a, schemed they us up. A, they had no C over there and you don't. They schemed us up. It's tough. A chilly night for that, but you know what's not chilly is the stove. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, that was good. The stove is kind of hot. It's it's kind of lukewarm at this point. We haven't seen a ton of big moves, but we have seen some potential Orioles targets go off the board. So let's run through some of the acquisitions that have been made thus far in free agency. We saw Kenta Maeda, potential Orioles starting pitching target, go to the Tigers on a two-year deal. Sonny Gray. That was a name that had been tossed around a good bit. We knew he was going to get kind of a higher-end contract, and he did from the St. Louis Cardinals on a three-year deal. Our old friend Kyle Gibson, wishing him the best. He is off to St. Louis as well, along with Lance Lynn. So the Cardinals brought in three new starting pitchers very early in free agency. And all of them are rather ancient. Uh, well, a little bit. Yeah. They're, they're on the they're older going, side. They're going with veterans. They're going with the veteran guys, and... We'll see if that strategy pays off, Cotton. Reynaldo Lopez to the Braves on a three-year deal. And then the biggest deal so far of the hot stove has been Aaron Nola back to the Phillies on a seven-year contract. Aaron Nola, a lot of people had said he would be a good fit with the Orioles. He was obviously, again, going to command a pretty hefty deal, and he did. That's what he yeah. gets from the Phillies. A deal that he's going to have to prove, obviously, with seven years on it. Uh... Right. Um, did, he had a good year last year, but probably not as good as if you were a peripheral follower of baseball and then you zoomed in on his stats, I think you'd think it was he had a better year than he did. Um, but he's a great pitcher, a really, really talented guy, and obviously a guy, like you said, that uh, could have been a nose target, um, but seven-year deal takes him away. Yeah, seven-year deal is large. It is lucrative. And for Aaron Nola, he's back in Philly where he's pitched well. He's had some postseason success. Makes a lot of sense on that side for Nola, but still plenty of starting pitchers available. We're going to be talking about starting pitching on the Orioles Hot Stove show tomorrow. Make sure you tune in for that. We will see what direction the Orioles decide to go in this offseason, whether they go the free agency route or whether they go the trade route remains to be seen. So today we wanted to talk about the potential trade route because we have seen a bunch of big names get thrown around this offseason as guys that could be on the move, potentially. Guys like Tyler Glass now, Dylan Cease, Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns, guys that have been Cy Young caliber pitchers in the past 
that we could see on the move this offseason. Yeah. Um, this is kind of the offseason of the pitcher. Yeah. I mean, we... Maybe not the free agent pitcher, which no, is a little about, bit different. Yeah, it's all trade targets. Right. Guys who are either unsettled in their current situation or just in a situation right now with a team that isn't necessarily planning to succeed for the next couple of years, trying to jump ship to one that is. Um, and like you said, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, Corbin Burns are the big names uh, on those lists. Yeah, the question uh, we got on YouTube here, uh, the question is, will we, uh, as a, you know, will the Orioles trade for this a starter? That is, of course, the question that we are going to discuss here. So let's start with kind of the big names that we have talked about. Just tease them a little bit. There are four big name starting pitchers on the market that could potentially be on the move this offseason. In Tyler Glass now, Dylan Cease, Shane Bieber, and Corbin Burns. We'll start with Tyler Glass now because I think he is the least likely to get traded to the Baltimore Orioles. If nothing else, for the fact that he plays for the Rays, and I don't think the Rays are going to want to trade a very good starting pitcher to the team that just beat them for the division in the AL East. Yeah, Glass now a guy that, when healthy can be one of the best pitchers in the game. Stands yeah. at six foot eight, throws the ball incredibly hard and has great stuff to boot. Um, a really, really talented guy, like like you said, that the Rays probably don't want to give to an in-division rival. Um, so I'd be pretty surprised as well if they sent him to the Orioles. Uh, but I do think he gets traded, just likely not to Baltimore. Yeah, and the when he's healthy part is, of course, the biggest caveat yes. when you're looking at Tyler Glass now. Started 21 games this season, which was a career high. Yes. That's not a very high career high. His previous career high was in 2021 when he started 14 games. Yeah. So it's always, I don't want to say theoretical upside because you really do see the upside with him, but the best ability is availability sometimes. Yes. And when you're looking at the kind of pitcher that the Orioles would be targeting, you're looking for somebody who not only would be an upgrade in the starting rotation, but somebody that you could rely on every fifth day to go out there and get the ball. That, that's why guys like Garrett Cole get so much money in free agency because Garrett Cole is reliable. Yes, he's great, but he's reliable. He's going to yes. get the ball every fifth day. He's not going to miss a start. Tyler Glass now doesn't really fall in that conversation. No, he doesn't. Um, and still an incredible talent uh, and a guy that I yeah. think uh, the Orioles could, you know, like we've said many times, they'd, they'd enjoy having the option to to work with him and see what they could do with him. Well, sure, I think most teams around baseball would enjoy having Tyler yes, Glasnow on saying, the baseball team. Yeah. I'm saying, like, with their department that we know that they've used this year right. um, to make no-name guys into household-name guys, uh, what would they do with Tyler Glasnow kind of thing? Yeah, the rumor mill has been swirling with Glasnow. We've heard Cubs, we've heard Reds interested have not heard Orioles, I think, for, for pretty obvious reasons there. So let's talk about the other big three. The obvious you know, caveat with all three of these guys is that it would take a haul of prospects, more than likely, yeah. to get any of Dylan Cease, Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns. Dylan Cease, we'll start with. He's an interesting conversation because he has two years of team control left, which would seem to boost his value, but... He does not have the same kind of pedigree as a Shane Bieber or a Corbin Burns. Yeah, he's the kind of guy that you say, okay, the upside is there. Yeah. His 
ceiling is so high, and in trading for him, that's what you would be trading for is his ceiling. Uh, because he, while he has shown flashes of really, really great uh, pitching, he has also shown that he struggled a little bit here and there. So right. um, he's a guy that you know it's in there, you just have to unlock it kind of thing. And the Orioles probably could do that, but is it worth sending a ton of prospects? And then also, in a situation like Dylan sees, it's not really a rental be extending him more than likely so you would more than likely be extending any of these you're guys. trading for a pretty large chunk of his career so the white Sox aren't going to do it for cheap yeah uh, and is that worth it i'm not sure yeah you mentioned the up and downs a 458 era last year not so good yeah. 220 era in 2022 second in al cy young voting very good he is a strikeout machine he has a ton of movement on all of his pitches his fastball has a ton of movement his slider is one of the best sliders in the game. His curveball has a ridiculous amount of movement. It would be really fun, as you mentioned, to see what the Orioles coaching staff could do with somebody like Dylan Cease, who just has so much raw ability. I firmly believe the Orioles could turn Dylan Cease into consistently one of the better pitchers in baseball. I think he would make a lot of sense, but the price tag is probably going to be hefty with those two years of control. And you have to factor in the fact that you would have to extend Dylan Cease without really seeing a consistent track record of success. And yeah, that's where it gets sticky. Right. Uh, so I think we're on the same page there. Next guy on this list is Shane Bieber. Won the Cy Young back in 2020. Only one year left of team control. So again, it would either be a one-year rental or you factor in the price of extending somebody like Shane Bieber. 380 ERA this season. Really good walk rate. Really good ground ball rate. His strikeout numbers, though, have dropped off pretty consistently over the past few years. Yes. So question marks there. Yeah, yeah. this is a really interesting case, right? Because you're looking at a guy who at one point was, he could have been named the most dominant pitcher in baseball back when he was going for Cy Youngs. Oh, yeah. Um, he's now not, but he's a veteran that still has some left in the tank. Uh, strikeout numbers have gone down. That's absolutely true, but his command is still there, and that's kind of what he's been touted as being, is the command guy. He can put the ball wherever he wants to put it kind of thing. Uh, and that's what one of those Cy Young. So uh, Bieber, while is an incredible talent, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm thinking that Cleveland wants a big price for him. Yeah. You know, it, this is their guy. You would have guy. to imagine. He, they grew him, uh, developed him out of the minors, turned him into his Cy Young, and he still has some left in the tank. They're not going to do it for cheap, uh, and I don't think necessarily that's worth it for the Orioles. Yeah, his Cy Young season was 2020, so he only had 12 starts in his Cy Young season, yeah. so maybe not the largest sample size of a Cy Young. He was an animal that year, Yeah, though. but he also has a season finishing fourth in Cy Young voting, and two years ago he finished seventh in Cy Young voting. So it's not like we don't have a track record there. Struggled with injuries a little bit last year. But again, you'd be trading for a 29-year-old pitcher who you would have under team control for 2024 and would most likely look to extend there. Yes. Which also applies to probably my favorite option of the big names, which is Corbin Burns. Brandon Woodruff is out. I think the Brewers might be in sell mode here. I don't see why they wouldn't be. Council yeah. left to, like, I feel like this was the ending of that team that window for that roster. Right. You had Burns and Woodruff at the top of the rotation, which made the Brewers a really scary team. Yes. And I don't think they're that scary right now. So I agree. Corbin Burns could be on the move. We've heard the name tossed around a lot. 
340 ERA this year, but he did lead the National League in whip, which tells me that he just got a little bit unlucky runs-wise. He has been consistently excellent, consistently one of the best pitchers in baseball. Won the Cy Young in 2021. Even with the ERA a little bit higher this year, his peripheral numbers, according to StatCast, are just off the charts in every single category. He's got, you know, the kind of in-vogue cutter-sinker combo that you really look for. His cutter is one of the best pitches in all of baseball. He's entering, again, his age 29 season. If you're going to extend any of this group, it's this I group. would say it's Corbin Burns. It, I, I totally agree with you. Um, 2021 Cy Young, like you said, led the NL and whip this year, which a huge green flag for the Orioles because, as yeah. we all know, they look for command in their pitchers, and that's something that he's got while also holding some of the best stuff that the MLB has to offer from the mound. Yep. So I think Burns is a guy that, like you said, if you're going to trade for and extend anybody, it should be him because he's easily the most talented of the bunch. And this is also a situation in which... Mike Elias can turn towards his plethora of prospects and put together a package that really wouldn't hurt this minor league system too, too much because there's so much depth there. Uh, I think that if you're going to go for anybody and you're going to take a big swing at anybody, it should be Corbin Burns. Yeah, Corbin Burns, all of the potential question marks that we have talked about with Dylan Cease and with Shane Bieber just don't really exist yeah. with Corbin Burns. Won the Cy Young in 2021, leading all of baseball in ERA, in home runs per nine, in strikeouts per nine. In 2022, he finished in seventh in Cy Young voting. Okay, he still led the National League in strikeouts. Yeah. This season, same thing. The ERA was a little bit up. Okay, he still led the National League in whip. And guess what? He still gave you 30 starts pretty much all of those years. 32 this year, 33 in 2022, 28 in 2021. Yes. So he's going to be out there every fifth day, and he's going to give you great numbers day in and day out. He doesn't give up home runs, and the Orioles' left field wall is only going to help that. It's going to be a hefty price, as you mentioned, but no part of this conversation is, ah, do the Orioles have the ammo to get somebody like Corbin Burns? They can get whoever exactly. they want. Yeah. They could trade for whoever right now. The question is, where do they want to trade those pieces? And how do they want to move those pieces around in the right way where they're keeping their young talent and not offloading it for the wrong guy. Because worst case scenario is that you trade a bunch of prospects for somebody you know in this big group, a Cease or a Bieber or even a Burns, and they don't work out. Yes. You extend them, and then you're stuck with a bad contract. You obviously don't want that. But of these big names, I think I would feel most comfortable trading from the absolutely stacked farm system that they have right now for Corbin Burns who I think you could extend potentially and just have one of the best pitchers in baseball for years to come. So if they do go that route, Burns is my guy there. Yes, I, I, I'm totally with you. Um, you would be trading for a guy who is a bona fide ace, yeah. right? I mean, this is a guy you can throw out every fifth day uh, and you can have pretty large comfortability that he's going to go out there and do a good job and give your team a chance to win, which in a season like this, you had Bradish doing that. You had Grayson doing that down the stretch, but coming into the year, those were still question marks with Corbin Burns. You'd be coming into the year knowing you've got an ace. And that's something that I think Baltimore would really uh, gain an advantage from. 
So let's move on from the big, big names to the group that I have deemed the kind of young guys with high potential. The reason I say kind of is because we tend to think of some of these pitchers as a little bit younger than they are. And sure. my first example being Michael Kopech. Yeah. Michael Kopech is a former top prospect in baseball. And it seems like every year we kind of look at Kopech and we're like, ah, oh, this is the year. Yep. He's got it. He's got the stuff. He this is the year up. he's going to put it all together. And then he's 28. Yes. He came up, got Nolan Ryan comparisons immediately. Yeah. Because he threw he throws insane uh velocity and he has an incredibly similar motion. So I remember MLB Network did a he's basically Nolan Ryan segment and everyone, you know, the hype was through the roof. <laughs> and everyone was like, hey, uh, and he was not. He just didn't turn out to be Nolan Ryan. Surprise, yeah. surprise. Uh, but he is still a guy that holds a lot of talent and could help a lot of big league clubs depending on the situation. He is a high velocity good stuff guy who lacks a little bit of control. A one and a yeah. half whip last year wasn't great. Led the American League in walks. Led the American League in walks. Don't love it. But hey, Blake Snell led the National League in walks and won the Cy Young. So, <laughs> That's a great point. You know, I can't argue with I'm that. I'm just telling you that. Yeah. Um, but Kopech, you know, you, if you were to bring him in, it would be a situation in which you'd obviously, it would be a project, yeah. right? It wouldn't just be a plug and play kind of thing. Wow, we got Michael Kopech the world has changed. It would be, all right, we've got to work with him to try and get those walk numbers down while also maintaining those strikeout numbers because that's what makes him so valuable. So if you can do that and this front office thinks they can do that, go for it because I think that they have, obviously, they have the prospects for it yeah. and it wouldn't take a ton like a Cease or a Burns would. So there's that. Yeah. A few things went into this name for me. It's intriguing. The White Sox are... What are the White Sox doing? I, I don't know what the White Sox are doing. I don't know what doing. the White Sox are doing. I think you could trade for a White Sox starting pitcher at this point. And he's intriguing. I mean, he was pretty good in 2022, had a 354 ERA in 25 starts. Wasn't good this year. 543 ERA, led the American League in walks, as we mentioned. But there's got to be something there. And, yes. and maybe it's too far down the line to think that Michael Kopech can still unlock something. But if there's anybody that's going to do it, it's the Orioles. Yes. And, and it's not going to cost a ton of prospects to get him, but it, it could be a fun project. And if it doesn't work, I think Kopech still has probably the floor of a high-end reliever. Yes, that's what I was going to say as yep. well. If you throw him in the pen, he could be a really strong setup guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think there's that to think about as well. And just going back to what the price tag might be, if it weren't to work out, you're not going to look at that trade and be like, wow, we gave up so-and-so and so-and-so. It would probably be not your, you know, top-line guys that yeah. you'd have to think about giving up. Uh, so in that situation, it might be a little bit more worth it. Yeah, reminds me of... I think D.L. Hall still has more yes. upside as a starter. I was going to say the same but thing. But it reminds me a little bit of D.L. Hall, where if it doesn't work out in the starting rotation, you've got somebody who could potentially be like an unbelievable closer. Yes. So Michael Kopech, I think, would be worth taking a swing on. Another young guy that we have seen more upside from and a higher ceiling potentially is Mitch Keller. He throws a cutter sinker. I'm already interested. <laughs> All-star this season was awesome in the first half of the year, fell off a little bit in the second half of the season. Again, Mitch Keller, I think there is a possibility that he just re-signs with the Pirates for a while. 
but he's got two more years left of team control. I don't think the Pirates have a window in the next two years of winning with Mitch Keller, so I think he's somebody who could be available. We heard his name tossed around at the deadline last year. Another young guy who was a former top prospect entering his age 28 season again. I I think this is a trade that would make a lot of sense because of the potential again. I agree with you 100%. I think Mitch Keller would be a really great ad. Yeah. This is a guy who had a really strong first half, a little bit lackluster second half, was an all-star last year. Two and a half walks per nine is what the Orioles like to see. Uh, while his whip wasn't perfect, he wasn't walking a ton of guys. They can fix the hits. Walks become a little bit more difficult to fix. Um, I think that when you look at guys who have left the Pirates as pitchers and have become great, there's some track record there. Yeah. You've got Glass now. You've got Garrett Cole. I'm not necessarily saying he's going to be Garrett Cole, but he's going to take a, a similar path if he does get traded here from going to the Pirates to another team. Um, I think Mitch Keller, like you said, while still pretty young, uh, could be has, might have the rest of his career still ahead of him. You know, yeah, he might have the best part of his career uh, still to come. Uh, and I think that the Orioles would be a great team to unlock uh, what he has left in the tank because I think he's an incredible talent and a guy who could be a really top line starter for the rest of his career. Yeah, and these guys that we're talking about in this category probably are not going to come in and be the ace of your yes, staff. Correct. Eric on Facebook commenting that, you know, he doesn't think somebody like Burns or Cease are, you know, quite good enough to trade maybe your top, top prospects for. So if you don't want to move a top prospect for one of those guys, this group could be somebody that you're looking at to say, okay, maybe you're not your, the number one. You've still got Bradish. You've still got Grayson Rodriguez, even John Means. But maybe Kopech, Mitch Keller, Emerson Hint. Emerson Hancock, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> could come in and be a number three, a number four. So I already spoiled it, but my next guy and probably my favorite here at the end of you know our, our trade roundup here, we're going to give our personal favorites. Seeing a lot of comments on Facebook and YouTube, thank you for following along, about the Mariners as a potential trade target. The Orioles have a lot of good young hitters to the point where somebody like Joey Ortiz, who is... 25 years old and hit approximately 500 in AAA and plays elite defense at shortstop, can't even find an everyday role. Yes. The Seattle Mariners have a ton of good young pitching. They have George Kirby, who I think is untouchable, Logan Gilbert, Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, Emerson Hancock. That is five really good young pitchers. So the argument I'm going to make here for Emerson Hancock, I think you can pretty much swap out Wu, Gilbert, Miller, Hancock, they're, they're pretty interchangeable. But the, the main takeaway here for me is just how good of a trade fit these two teams are. Somebody like Joey Ortiz starts on the Mariners tomorrow. Yes. He is their opening Absolutely. day third baseman immediately. And Joey Ortiz right now, because of how good the infield talent is in Baltimore, could be fighting for a utility role. And so with the Mariners as a trade partner, you could get, a young starting pitcher with tons of years of team control. You don't have to worry about extending them at any point. You just get a young starting pitcher to insert into your lineup. Hancock is the one that I picked because of the pedigree. He's a former number six overall pick in the draft. He's just going to be 25 next year. Had a 450 ERA in his three starts last year. His peripheral numbers, again, in a very small sample size, are great. 
He has a good sinker-slider combo. I think he has the pedigree. And again, you don't have to worry about team control at all because he would be on the team for a very long time. He's not even pre-arbitration eligible. Yeah. So that just seems like a win-win for me. It seems like the perfect trade partner. It's like the same thing we've been talking about with the Marlins for years and years, where the Marlins have a ton of good young starting pitchers and the Orioles just have an abundance of hitters that they could move and not really feel that big of an impact from. So I think it would take picking one of the Mariners starting pitchers, but I think you can't really go wrong with any of those four. I'm with you on this. I think that it makes sense. And like you said, they just traded Eugenio Suarez uh, to the Diamondbacks. So they've got a hole there that Joey Ortiz uh, could definitely fit in. Um, But I think the only snag you could run into here in a trade like this is Seattle looks down and says, we've got a five-man rotation of some of the most talented young arms in baseball, and we want to keep it. Um, And whether or not they do that is probably uh, what makes or breaks this trade. Because how often do you see a team develop a pitcher all the way to the majors only to trade him away? Um, I just... That's the only thing that's in my head. Like, I don't know if this happens kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But it makes sense. Uh, On paper, it makes sense. We've got what you need. You've got what we need. Let's do something here. Yeah, and how many off-seasons did we spend looking at the Marlins kind of having the same conversation? Yes. Where it was like, oh, you've got Edward Cabrera. You've got Sixto Sanchez. Mm -hmm. You've got Jesus Lazar. You've got a laundry list of pitchers. And, hey, you could use an outfielder, and we've got – Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Anthony Santander, and we would throw out so many hypothetical trades that we thought could happen, and then it never did. Because if you have good young starting pitching, a lot of teams don't want to give that up, understandably so. Yes, and uh, as Orioles fans, I think everybody around here knows that, like, we don't give up our prospects either, uh, or the guys that have just gotten to the majors. So, um, could be something that happens, though. And with both of these categories, with the big names and with the the younger guys with a lot of high potential, you would still have to give up. Maybe not, you know, you're not going to trade a Jackson Holiday. You're more than likely not going to trade a Colton Kowser or a Heston Kerstad. But you would have to give up a prospect probably somewhere in your top 10 that you don't really want to part with. And the biggest you know, biggest hurdle, obviously, for Michael Elias is that you don't want to trade the wrong piece. Yes. Because regardless of the fact, you know, maybe the Orioles just won't move Holiday, Kowser, Kerstad. Maybe you say, all right, those guys are untouchable. But there's still a pretty good chance that somebody like Joey Ortiz or Connor Norby or Kobe Mayo or whoever it may be turns into an Excellent. Absolutely. Norby and Mayo, I think both could do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, any number of these Orioles top 10 prospects, that's why the farm system is so good. It's not so good just because you have somebody like Jackson Holiday, who's the number one prospect in baseball. That wasn't the case when you had Gunnar Henderson as the number one prospect or Adley Rutschman as the number one prospect. What made the Orioles system so good is that you could look at anybody in the top 15, top 20 and you could realistically find a case to say, yeah, that guy's going to be a really good big league player. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at last year when the Orioles traded Daryl Hernays. I mean, Daryl Hernays was the sixth or seventh best shortstop prospect in the Orioles system. Yeah. And he just had a monster year at AAA and might turn into a really good big league player. That's just how good this Orioles farm system is. And you 
you have to be cautious because you could trade somebody towards the top of your prospect rankings that turns into an excellent big leaguer, which isn't the case everywhere. Yeah, and you you made the point that this is not easy for Mike Elias, and I think you're absolutely correct. Uh, I You have to imagine that, obviously, you know, if we know and you know, every team calling up Mike Elias knows that they have the best farm system in baseball. Uh, and it probably doesn't make his job all that much easier knowing that the guys calling him know that and say, all right, well... Give us one of your really good players. Uh, and he doesn't want to pick the wrong ones and, and whatnot because, like you said, you trade away a guy like Daryl Hernandez, he might be a really, really good shortstop for a long time. Yeah. So those are kind of the guys that are going to cost the most prospect-wise. Let's talk about maybe a veteran starting pitcher that could be sure. on the market. How about Paul Blackburn? Would you go back to the well with the Oakland A's? Go back to the well. You got Cole Irvin last year. Cole Irvin gave you some good innings, especially down the stretch last season. Paul Blackburn. Got Fuji, too. Got Fuji. Could go back to the Oakland the well. Paul Blackburn is probably one of the, the last pieces that the A's are going to cash in on here as a veteran starting pitcher. He's not even that much older than the category of younger guys. Yeah. But obviously doesn't have the same sort of upside, I would say, as somebody like Michael Kopech or Mitch Keller. But Paul Blackburn, entering his age 30 season, he gave you a 4.43 ERA last year, throws a sinker cutter, but he is much more of an off-speed pitcher. He's just in the seventh percentile in fastball run value, but he's in the 80th percentile for both breaking and off-speed run value, which is kind of the Orioles' archetype. At this point, I mean, Kyle Bradish doesn't have an overwhelming fastball. He beats you with the secondary stuff. Grayson Rodriguez is kind of an outlier because he beats you with He's everything. He's just an animal. John Means, you know, high spin rate fastball that he can beat you with, but really got to worry about the changeup with John yep. Means. So Blackburn, as somebody who is really effective with his off-speed stuff, could kind of fit the profile here. His curveball, his changeup, his slider are by far his three best pitches. You maybe wouldn't want him, like, being your number three starter in a playoff series, but that's not really what you'd be trading for Paul Blackburn for. You would just be looking for somebody to give you 25, 30 starts to probably be your number four behind Bradish, Grayson, Means. So I mean, I was, maybe he works in there with Dean Kramer. What I'm going to say is, in with these guys, it is a conversation of would you rather have him or Dean Kramer or D.L. Hall right. uh, at the back end of that bullpen. So that's the conversation that they're having that uh, needs to be had if you're going to make a trade like this because I'm not sure that I like Paul Blackburn more than those guys, but yep. he also he has a lot of upside, like you said, and he fits the bill for what the Orioles are trying to do, and it wouldn't take a lot to get him, probably. Um, you'd have to give some prospects, but you probably wouldn't have to give any of the top ones um, because he hasn't had uh, that on-paper success, uh, though I'm sure that's a little bit more difficult to have when you're playing for a team like the A's who aren't exactly going for the chip. Um, yeah. But still, he's a talented guy that wouldn't take a lot, and that's something that I think they have to take into consideration here for sure. And I'm glad you brought up the Tyler Wells-DL Hall discussion because I think that's an important discussion to have. You know, the last few shows here, we have been talking about who could the Orioles sign in free agency? Who could they bring in via trade to add to the starting rotation? Right now, the Orioles have, I think, four guys pretty much locked in to the starting rotation. Yes. Looking at Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, John Means. I think those guys are pretty solidly your top three, assuming that John Means 
has a healthy offseason and is good to go for 2024. It seems like all indications are pointing that way. I think Dean Kramer did enough over the past few seasons here to show you that he should be your number four starter. Yes. But your number five, as you mentioned, somebody like Paul Blackburn, I'm not entirely confident I would rather have in the starting rotation right now than Tyler Wells. Exactly. Tyler Wells started 20 games last year, appeared in 25, gave you a 364 ERA. I think Tyler Wells still profiles as a starting pitcher. Last year, you stretched him out to try to start more games. We saw him as an effective starter in 2022, and he was the Orioles' best starting pitcher in the first half of the season. That's what I think a lot of people forget. He was fantastic before he kind of ran his innings limit. Yeah. Uh, He was really, really good. Led uh, the AL and whip for a really long time. Yeah. uh, And that's why he found so much success. Struggled a little bit as the innings got a little bit higher, but I feel that he could reach an even higher innings limit this year uh, and get to a place where he is more or successful for longer. Uh, and I think that it's worth giving him that shot over a guy like Paul Blackburn. Yeah, Tyler Wells in 2022 pitched 103 innings. In 2023, he pitched 118. Mm-hmm. I think there's a scenario where if the offseason plan is to make Tyler Wells a starter, to keep Tyler Wells a starter, could you increase that innings limit to 130, 135? Continue to stretch him out a little bit. If he gives you 130 innings, I mean, I I know that's not 30 starts, but that's, what, 25 starts? Mm -hmm. That's right around what Paul Blackburn would probably give you. And you're putting him on a track to be even better the next season. Right. You know, so I think that there's something to be uh, thought about there because he has shown you success as a starter, which is not something you can say about every guy uh, in a position like his. So I think you give Tyler Wells a shot here. And I'm not going to write off D.L. Hall at this point. I know D.L. Hall was excellent out of the bullpen last year, and maybe you're looking at D.L. on kind of a, a Josh Hader trajectory where it's, okay, he has an unbelievable fastball, an unbelievable slider. It's a great you know, one-two punch that could potentially turn D.L. Hall into an elite closer. I I firmly believe that. I agree, too. D.L. Hall could be one of the elite closers in the game over the next few seasons here. But I'm not going to totally give up on D.L. Hall as a starting pitcher here. And I don't know if the Orioles are going to either. Yeah, it's too early. He's just entering his age 25 season. He has shown you that he can have success at the big league level. He was giving you chunks of innings here and there in 2023 and again somebody even like Michael Kopech Mm -hmm. are you entirely confident that you would want to throw Michael Kopech every fifth day if the other option is throwing D.L. Hall every fifth day no I'm not yeah I I don't think I am either (laughs) yeah I mean D.L. showed us at the back end that he could be the guy in the bullpen um, which is great which is really valuable yes and I but I'm saying I think that he'd like to give another shot in, in the rotation as well. I think he probably thinks the exact same way we are right now, that the book is not closed on him as a starting pitcher because he has elite stuff. He worked on that fastball a lot last year, went back to the drawing board, which I think is an incredibly mature thing for a young pitcher to do. Yep. And not, one, not something that all young pitchers would be willing to do. He went back to the drawing board and got back to where... Got back to the majors, which yep. is not an easy thing to do. Um, so I give him a lot of respect, and I think that he deserves another shot as well. Yeah, and from 2022 to 2023, his walks per nine go from four to two and a half. 
Yeah. And, you know, we'll see what those walk numbers turn out to be if we see D.L. Hall in the starting rotation. But even if you bring in a lower-end veteran, somebody like Paul Blackburn, who's not necessarily going to be in your top, you know, one, two, or three, he wouldn't even be guaranteed a starting rotation spot at mm-hmm. this point. He would be in a fight with somebody like Tyler Wells or D.L. Hall or yeah. even Cole Irvin could be in that conversation next year as well. I was about to say he might play that Cole Irvin role as well. Yeah, so I think it makes sense to bring in somebody that you know can give you starts, but Tyler Wells and D.L. Hall could do that too. Yes. And if the Orioles are going to trade for a starting pitcher, I think it's got to be somebody that you pretty convincingly say, yes, this is somebody that I'm comfortable slotting in over the kind of upside that we've seen from Tyler Wells and D.L. Hall. So with all that in mind, Bones, yes, give me your pick. If you are Michael well, Elias, congratulations. You've been named you. general manager of the Baltimore Orioles. Who are you putting your trade chips on the ch- table for? Well, I do want to say one guy we didn't mention. Oh, uh-huh. But this isn't necessarily my pick. We didn't talk about Michael Walker. We didn't talk about Michael Walker. Michael Walker, for two seasons in a row, had a low threes ERA. Yeah. And I think he's a guy that you have to talk about because he could play a similar role to this team that a guy like Kyle Gibson did last year, where he's the veteran in the staff. And he can, I mean, Kyle Gibson was Mr. Quality Start last year. Yep. I mean, he had tons of them. I believe it was close to 20, the number. Uh, and I think Michael Waka could play a similar role. I mean, he had two really, really strong seasons. Um, and he's a guy I might pick for my, my favorite pick, but. I'm going to say I'm going to lay all my chips on the table right here. And well, Waka say, is also a free agent, so that doesn't count in our. Oh, who are you trading for? But I do, I do like the Michael yes, Waka name. I got that confused. Yeah, the the club. He did have a club option with the Padres that the Padres declined for right, so the next three that. seasons. I'm going. But for, Michael Waka still a good free agent I'm option. Going I'm for Corbin Burns. Wow. I'm saying. Put it like this is your time. You just won 101 games. You have the most prospects of any team that you could trade. I'm saying go for it. Go get Corbin Burns. He's the best pitcher on the market. Add him to your rotation and give yourself three guys who can be considered aces potentially if Grayson gets another really, really good season under his belt. I think if you have that plus this offense, you really don't have any weak spots on this team. I You're going that, all in. Why not? I think I, that you have to go all in. And you could go get Corbin Burns, extend him, have a couple more years of him, and have a really, really strong rotation. Give me Corbin Burns. I like your argument. I mean, if the Orioles feel like this is the window and you need to go get an ace, I, I totally agree with you that Corbin Burns of the Glass Now Cease Bieber Burns category is the one that I would 100% go for. If I'm looking to extend anybody... It's Burns. I think he could consistently be one of the best pitchers in baseball for years to come. My pick is going to be a little bit safer than that, and I'm going to go with Emerson Hancock. Again, I think you could really swap out this name for any of the young starting pitchers in Seattle. It just makes too much sense. I know the Orioles and Marlins didn't end up doing a trade after we talked about it for how many off-seasons, but this, I mean, I mean, again, we've talked about prospects like Joey Ortiz. Joey Ortiz starts for the Mariners tomorrow. Joey Ortiz is such a good player. You have so many prospects like that that you could potentially move for a starting pitcher if that's the direction you want to go. If you end up keeping Joey Ortiz, Kobe Mayo, Connor Norby, guys like that, 
I still firmly believe that Joey Ortiz will have a role on this team and he's going to be a really good player. I'm not saying go move him. But if you want to move a hitting prospect, you have a surplus of them. And the Mariners have a surplus of starting pitching. Emerson Hancock is my pick here. I think he could develop into a really good starting pitcher. Again, just entering his age 25 season. He has the pedigree as a former number six overall pick. He's not an ace right now. He's not Corbin Burns. Yes. But you also don't have to worry about an extension. You don't even have to worry about arbitration right now. He doesn't have a full year of MLB service time under his belt. You do get to sink your teeth into him a lot more than yeah. a guy like Burns. And it's it's a little bit of a gamble, but he is young. He has a lot of room to grow. And you could be looking at a top three of Bradish, Grayson, Hancock for years to come. Yes. And not having to worry about extending them saves you some dough to to go elsewhere, whether it's extensions or free agency. So Hancock is my pick if I am making a trade for a starting pitcher. I think Hancock is a really, really good player. I'd say the only question mark you have is that he's so young that he's still got to prove it at the big league level a few more years. Certainly. Um, he's unproven. Yes. So, so it's a risk. It is a risk. And you could trade for a guy like this and then have it not work out, and then you're looking at that trade like, man, we really gave away so-and-so and so-and-so. Um, but with a minor league system like this, that might not matter so much. So I really don't hate that trade. The Orioles have all of the ammunition in the world to get anybody that they want. The question is just whether or not they are going to do that because there's really nothing wrong with just keeping all of these good prospects that you have developed in-house. And, you know, if you can find ways to use them, if you can find places to play them, I think that's, you know, probably the biggest question mark with these prospects is where do they all get playing time? But if you find a way to do that and don't end up making a big trade and they just all turn out to be good major leaguers. Okay. That works too. That works. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't really argue with that. It's, it's also funny because we've had this show about the trades. We've had a show in the past about what free agent starting pitcher the Orioles could bring in. And at the end of the day, I think if the Orioles just went, eh, we've got Bradish, we've got Grayson, we've got means, we've got Kramer and we've got some combination of Tyler Wells and DL Hall that could still be an excellent starting rotation next year. Yeah, absolutely. And these shows could be for naught. Why why are you listening? Who knows? (laughs) I think they're in a really, really good spot with whatever they do. The Orioles are in a fantastic position right now. Well, we will see what direction the Orioles decide to go in, whether it is the free agency route for a starting pitcher, maybe the trade route, Mike Elias has said. They are on the hunt for a potential higher-end starting pitcher. So we will see what the hot stove has to offer. But make sure you're following along with us all off-season longs. We're going to be at winter meetings next week. We'll be bringing you a ton of content on Mass and All Access and on the Bird's Nest. Make sure you're tuning in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. We got a ton of comments today with your Orioles thoughts. Thank you so much for following along. Or you can also catch us after the fact on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts or your digital shows, you can find the bird's nests. The next time we talk to you, we talk to you from Nashville at MLB Winter Meetings. Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes. For Matt Bonaparte, I'm Brandon Mortensen, and we'll catch you next time.